0: Doing a series called Give It Time. Have you enjoyed the last two weeks? So it's been a, a two week series. I think it's been pretty good. And um, time, of course, is something that we all. Know. It is a commonality. We can't escape it. We all have it. We all have a past, a present, and a future that we live in. And and how many of you know getting through time is one of the the biggest challenges that we have. Guys, if you'll go ahead and put the first slide up for us. This is what we've been looking at. We've been looking at the fact that God placed us inside the middle of brackets. So we've discussed the fact that time has taken place before my brackets and time will take place after my brackets, right? We understand that timeline exists far outside the realm that, that we in a physical human body form on this planet exist. So the good thing is, though, that we have a relationship with the one who was before it all, Right? The God of the eternal past, who was here before the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the world, actually, even before you were, were even thought about, he existed and he has been where we have not been. So not only has he been before us, but he has been to those places, the Bible says, that we have not been, and even beyond that. He is the God of the eternity past and God of eternity future. So that would lead me to believe that he knows a little bit more than I do, because when I think about myself, I am grateful for where I'm at in life right now. um, I'm not quite sure where to define that. I just know that I, you know, I don't exactly wear my jeans like I did when I was sixteen, so I think I might be middle age. So still a little better than where my mama's at, but middle age. Middle age is, is kind of where I am and I'm grateful for that. So even though things in my body may not be like they used to be, how many of you know that as a fifty three year old I know a little bit more than I knew at the beginning of my bracket? right? Not quite as green as I used to be. So um, probably not as wise as those two right there, but I'm not as green as I used to be when I was two and three and four and 16. So next slide, longevity, I believe within our bracket serves as a gift to us because it reveals ourself to us. And more importantly, it should be revealing our God to us. Right, it should be revealing who he is. So that is what longevity can do. Longevity is a benefit. It's—I don't know why our culture despises it so much. So, and I mean, I'm with them. I'm thinking about all the things um, that I can do to prevent some of some of this. But it's not to be despised. Age is a good thing. Wisdom comes with age. And I am in so many lanes right now, living in so many lanes that I am so thankful that I am not where I used to be. I live with a 29-year-old, a 27-year-old. Actually, she just moved out, praise the Lord, in her own apartment. A 27-year-old, a 16-year-old, and um, a 2-year-old actually is in my home as well, just rummaging around, and I look at them all the time, and I'm just so grateful, right, that I have age. I mean, I love them. I love my relationship with them, but the 29-year-old who has the 2-year-old, Johnny Love got stung by a bee this week, and It was a bee. It was a bee sting. And Olivia, I mean, you've got to know, I gave my girls the gift of being just a little bit dramatic. So she's a little bit dramatic. Johnny Love, thankfully, is a little bit more like her daddy kind of smooth so Johnny Love was fine I mean her hand looked like a boxing glove but Olivia was actually just coming undone she's like I don't know whether to a, give her Benadryl I don't know whether to like what will Benadryl do I've never given her Benadryl she's on the should I give her Benadryl I mean it was just on and on and then she came up to her, she's like I haven't slept in two days because of this beasting. and I'm just watching her and I'm just like honey it is gonna be okay it is a bee sting. A bee sting is not going to take Johnny Love out. Believe me, you's not sleeping for two days, that's nothing. It's not going to take you out. It is the rest of your life that you're never going to be sleeping. Enjoy the fact that the bee sting is going to go away, but don't get used to sleeping. Like, it's never coming back, but you're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Why? Why can I say that? Because I've been there. Right? I've been with the broken arms, the staples in the head, the broken noses. I've just been around a little bit so I understand that you're going to be okay. And then Sophia, my 27-year-old, is pregnant. And all she keeps saying to me, she's like, Mama, people keep talking about, like, the head, but nobody mentions the shoulders. (laughs) She's like, how, like why, why hasn't anybody mentioned this? I'm like, Sophia, it's going to be fine. That baby's going to come out just fine. They're not going to have to break the shoulders, bend the shoulders, bend the baby. It works just fine, right? But it's keeping her up at night, keeping her up at night, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, but I have longevity. I'm like, look, I've done this four times. Then I have Victoria Kate, my precious 24-year-old, who's just trying to figure out how not to stay single forever. So, somebody applied already in the first service, so, and I'll tell you what I told them. Like, I can't orchestrate that kind of stuff, right? I'm telling her the same thing. I'm like, honey, we don't orchestrate this. We wait on God. You have to wait. Stop fishing in silly ponds, right? Put your fishing line in the right spot. (laughs) Yeah, and then you just wait, Just wait on God. It happens. Then I've got a 16-year-old. God knows. I am so thankful I'm not 16. Any of you thankful that you're not 16? The 16-year-old, I mean, everything, weight, hair, acne, cheer, Guys, all of it. And most of it I am so on top of. I mean, because I've been there, right? I mean, I, I can talk to them about weight, about what to eat, about what not to worry about. I can talk to them about cheerleading. I can talk to them about all their activities. What I have not been able to conquer at 53 is Snapchat. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to Snapchat. Like, there is none. So, I talked to her about these things. I'm like, well, you know, like, who's snapping you? So, she talks, and I'm like, well, so are y'all snapping? She's like, well, I mean, we snapped. I'm like, so you snapped, so what's that mean? Are y'all talking? She said, no, we're not talking, but I mean, there are words on the snap screen, right? (laughs) So there are words on a scrap snap sheen, screen, but it's not really called talking. And they all have this. And there's like multiple of them. It's like so many. It's like there's more stairs and levels to Snapchat than there are the Twin Towers that, that used to exist. So, I mean, it's just like level after level after level. And then talking really doesn't even mean you're in a relationship. Do you know you can talk to multiple people and it means nothing? And I'm like, but I thought y'all were talking. And she's like, well, no, we're not talking. Well, I mean, we talked. And then the whole thing starts all over again. So, and I just stay confused, like I have no idea how Snapchat works. So that's the only thing. Everything else, I'm thankful for longevity because it teaches me something. I had the two-year-old this week, and Mike and Olivia went on a date, and so I had her. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, I thought that I might be grandmom, grandmama, mommy, lolly, honey, nana, ma. Like, tons of things that I thought I would have been, but I'm Burtiford, so if you haven't, (laughs) I don't know how, but that's who I am. I'm Bertie was okay. I was okay with Bertie, but it's it's transitioned to Bertieford. So I've got Johnny Love and she's like, Bertaford, hold you. Bertaford, target, Bertaford, babies, Bertaford, three babies, Bertaford, four babies. You know, I'm like, yes, we're gonna do all those things. So we do all those things, but we get ready for bedtime, which Olivia had given me strict instructions, and I try to obey the strict instructions. She's like, eat all these things, do all this, have all this fun, play all these games, and then put my child to bed. Right? Well, Johnny Love is a co-sleeper. So I asked her, I said, Johnny Love, are we going to, you want to go night-night in Mommy's bed or in Bertieford's bed? She's like, Bertieford's bed. So I go up, I lay down with her, I'm cuddling her, I'm doing all the things. So I'm scratching, I'm singing, I'm tickling, I'm rubbing the nose, I'm patting. And then she starts this process of, of Birdie, no, sing, Birdie, no, sing. No sing birdie, no scratch birdie, no scratch, no scratch. So, and I could tell that was her son, like, I'm getting kind of tired. Don't, don't woo me into this sleep zone, right? So she starts putting her boundaries up. She's like, no, 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 no. Well, then the crying started. And Grandma's holding her. I'm like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to go to sleep. And she's crying, like screaming, like so loud. And I hear her do this with her mother. It's different to hear it done than for you, the grandma, to have to do it to them. So, and I'm sitting there thinking, who do I want to disappoint more, Olivia or Johnny Love? Like, what do I do here? So, I'm trying to get her to sleep, and she's, she does this. She's like, Mama, 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 Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Scream- After she's been screaming for like 15 minutes, and then she went, Olivia. Olivia, 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 Michael, Olivia. I need Olivia and Michael. So, like, she's calling out their names, and I look at her, and I'm like, you are brilliant. Like, no, we're not going to sleep. Any child who's that brilliant and can call out their parents' names instead of mom and daddy, I'm like, absolutely not. You're not going to sleep. So I get her up, and I just start walking around with her. I'm like, there's no way. She deserves to not sleep because she is... She was just that smart. So I got up, and I started walking around with her. Well, Olivia comes in, and she's looking at me. I'm like, she's just a smart kid. I mean, you've got a gifted child, I think, so she probably really doesn't need the amount of sleep that you think she needs because she's so smart. So I was laying down that night in bed thinking about, gosh, I hated to make her cry. It's just that grandma spirit that comes on you. You know, it's just like, I hated to make her cry. And I was like, bless her heart. But her mama knew what was best for her. Her daddy knew what was best for her. And I was like, I hate that. Um, She really needed to be in that position of sleep. She needed to sleep. And as I thought about it, I thought, whew, thank God I'm not two anymore. And as soon as I said it, to myself. So I heard the Holy Spirit show up and he said, Oh, really? He said, Because I think the last time you were in a position that you didn't want to be in, you wiggled, you squirmed, you complained, you whined, you cried, you fasted, you prayed, you did everything possible to circumvent the position that I needed you to be in to be best, right? Could it be, possibly, next slide, that our wise father who existed before time began, right? Not just before the two-year-old, but way before time. Could it be that that wise father who existed before time began has already been to the eternal future, has positioned you in places, relationships, jobs, and circumstances for your benefit, and you just spend all your time? trying to circumvent it, the little bracket that you've got, trying to figure out how to escape tomorrow or hold it so tight so that you can control every single bit of it, which is an absolute fallacy to even believe. It's why we're it's why we're anxious. It's why we're depressed. It's why we aren't sleeping because we believe a fallacy that we can even remotely control anything back there. And it is a fallacy to believe that we can fix anything that is on this side of it. And we spend our bracket trying to do both. We spend our bracket living in regret of what happened yesterday or fear and worry about what happened tomorrow. And I laid there in the bed, and I was just like, gosh, I hate that about me. (laughs) So I don't like it about me. I don't like it when God compares me to the sound of a two-year-old. Right? I mean, surely, at least, maybe, I passed Stella. And no, he's got me back there as a two-year-old, just whining. And pouting and crying, trying to circumvent the situations that he has me in. And so I just was overwhelmed with gratitude for the patience that he has with me. To think that for 53 years, he has been patient with me. So patient with me and I just was overwhelmed and thankful about that. I'm thankful that no matter what it is that I have handed him, no matter what fit I've thrown, no matter how, how pretty I've wanted to dress it up or how calm I've wanted it, to, wanted it to be, whether I've wanted to look at it and say, well, it's really pretty brilliant, if you're asking me, like it's a pretty brilliant thing that, that I've done, that I should be able to escape this, that he has remained faithful and patient with me and he's been patient with you. And so I want to talk today for a little bit just about that patience, the patience of God, the God who existed before the foundations, before you were here, before the planet was here, and the God who goes on and on and on and on, and how that affects you and I, how it affects our time bracket while we're here. So put the next slide up, please. He is an eternal God, and we should be living nowhere in regret and nowhere in worry. And if we're living there, then we are bypassing several scriptures that have been promised to us. John 10.10 has promised us an abundant life. It is not an abundant life when you sit around worried about everything that happened over here trying to fix it, trying to rehearse it, trying to nurse it, begging God for a redo. If I could just go back and fix that relationship, we maybe wouldn't have ended up divorced. If I could just go back and fix where I left my kid, then maybe my kid wouldn't have gotten molested when I left him. If I could just go back and fix that teacher that my kid had that I already had red flags about, and I left them in there too long, and now they're all anxious and they've been messed up. If I could just go back and have my mammogram like five years ago, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. If I could just, and we just, it's just go back. go back, go back, go back, and we spend this little bitty bracket time rehearsing everything that was back there. Or we spend this bracket time rehearsing everything that's coming. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when all my children are out of the house? Am I going to be alone? Am I going to be lonely? What am I going to do about my dog? What am I going to do about my car? What am I going to do about this, that, the other? What am I going to do about the bills that are due? What am I going to do about the fact that my husband isn't home anymore? What am I going to do about the doctor's report? What am I And we just, it's on and on and on and on. Not living in John 10.10. Not living in Matthew 6 that says that if you hunger and thirst after him and chase after him, that you are satisfied. You are satisfied in this bracket of time. So there is something about understanding that God is patient that I think that he wants to speak to us today. So I was actually um, driving, well, I wasn't driving, Mark was driving. And I was reminded when Mark drives, as I'm often reminded when he drives of this, that... The way God matures us and puts us into places where we are developing patience is to put us with slower people. Right, Slower people than who we are. So we're on our way to the Wiggington-Martin wedding. Congratulations, by the way. So we're on the way to the wedding this week. Um, and, and we took off, and I mean, we've, we had to Zoom anyway. So I'm, I'm already all day in a hurry, just because you know how your day starts, and you're like, you've got a lot to do. And so everything you do, you're like, you're doing it fast, you're doing it in a hurry. And we get in the car, and the first thing I notice, besides the rain, is I notice Mark has picked a GPS route that I already know is going to be slower. He picked the slow route. You know how you have the option to pick the fastest route? That's the route you always pick It's the fastest route. Not my husband. Like he looks, he pulls them all up and he looks at all of them. He's picking a route that has less turns. I'm like, why do you care how many times you have to turn? Like, why would it even matter? Like, we've got somewhere to be, and we've got a time to be there. And so he's like, nope, we're going this way. And so the submissive, silent wife that I am, he (laughs) took off. He took off to go that way. And about 10 minutes in, I kept watching. You know how that little time goes up, like when you're going to arrive? So, well, the time kept growing as I knew it would because I go to Atlanta so often. So I'm, I'm watching, and I'm just like, this is not going to work. So he has us like 15 minutes late to the wedding. I'm like, that route is not going to work. So I pushed the button. A, a sign came up and said, faster route, faster route. And I'm like, yes, push the faster route. So I pushed the faster route. And um, we kept it together. Go, Stella's in the car. And do you, do, you, do you ever have children that, like, if you even have a cross moment with each other, they look at you like, are y'all fighting? And I'm like, that was not a fight. That was, we're working out what to do with the GPS. Like, not a fight at all. But they get real panicky. They're like, oh. So we kept it together, didn't even comment. Just He just knew that's the way we're going. So we got that way. Then we get on the interstate, and it, he's like a turtle. Does he drive like a turtle? just like a turtle. And granted, it's raining, but you don't have to go 40 on the interstate when it's 65. So it's just not. And so I'm looking at him. I'm like, and I just started chuckling. I'm like, always, like, are you always, do you always drive this slow? And he's like, Robin, it's raining. I'm like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, I guess you just want me to be hasty. I'm like, I guess I do just need you to be hasty. Like we've got a wedding to get to. And so often waiting, next slide, is where God puts us Maturity for patience is created by being placed in situations that require waiting. And God knows his grace and mercy will never be seen without it. Right? Waiting. When he puts us in situations where we have to wait. I don't like to wait. Some of you don't like to wait. That's why you swiped right instead of left. And now you're in a mess. Right? Swiping the wrong way on Tinder. So you got to swipe correctly. So... You got to use your brain. You can't be hasty here. Can't be hasty in things. But I prefer hasty. I prefer quick. I prefer prefer getting there and I think some of you do too. Right? But not our God. He is not hasty. He is not hasty. And so he keeps us in these situations, these seasons, these jobs, these relationships, these places in life that he is trying to mature us and grow us into something, into his image. He's trying to to birth patience in us. And he's trying to not just birth it in us, but he's he's trying to cause us to understand and know that he is an ever-patient God. Ever-patient God. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy verse 116. And I love, I love the disciples. I love being able to look into their lives intimately. And this is, we're, we're going to look at a passage of Paul's life where he does display a little bit of, of his inmost being and who he is as he is charging Timothy, his son, to go into ministry. And how many of you know, like if you're, if you're telling your kid like the last thing before they leave the nest or the thing that you need to let them know before they, they take the family business. The thing that they need to know before they step into everything that God's called them to do. How do you know? How many of you know that, that you would be pretty choosy with what words you would say? Right? You would kind of think about, what, what am I going to say here? What, so this is an important passage. And in the middle of this charge that Paul has for Timothy, it's like he starts out charging him. And then it's like, pause just a minute. I just have to give thanks. I have to give some thanks because as I look back over my life, we're going to see what he really thinks about God and who God needs to be for Timothy. So next scripture, please. It's 1 Timothy 1.16. It says, yet for this reason I found mercy. As he's talking to Timothy, he says, so that in me as the foremost sinner, the one who had in his mind messed up the, the most in his bracket, from the very beginning of it, Until he was on that road, the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ, might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. What kind of patience did Paul say he had? Perfect. Perfect patience. Perfect means there is nothing lacking. So perfect is not like Olivia with a two-year-old who's been talking for three hours who she brings her up to me and says, Can you please just hold her a minute? She's been talking for three hours. Can you just take her? And I take her and I hold her and for an hour and a half she talks. Birdie, Target, Babies, Birdford, Target, Babies, 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 Birdford, Target, Babies, over and over and over and over. I'm like, yeah, Olivia, I can see why you would just need a little bit of a break. Not our God. He doesn't need a break. Perfect patience, not the kind of patient that your kid comes to you and and you're looking at them like, Seriously? Like we're having this conversation again? You ever said that to your kid? Like again, we're visiting this conversation again. Like I thought we I thought we had this conversation. Not our God perfect patience. Perfect. There's not a hole, there's not a pit, there's not a broken relationship, there's not a misstep. There is not a wrong decision that you have made. There is not a character flaw. There is not a developmental issue. There is not a a personality quirk that you could bring to the Father on a continual basis that he would turn a deaf ear Turn a blind eye or just turn his back on you. He is not going to leave you. He is not going to forsake you. He is not going to chalk it up as, oh, well. You, just, I mean, the best, I mean, Mark and I have had the conversations like if our kids did A, B, C, and D, what would we do? Would there ever be just like an, oh, well? God doesn't have that thought. He's not like an, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. That is not him. He will never, ever, ever, ever turn his back on you. He will never, ever, ever leave you in any kind of mess or situation for you to handle or have to figure out on your own. He is a perfectly patient father. And Paul needed Timothy to know this. I don't know why, like you would think like, Tim, what you need to know, you really need to remember, Timothy, that he is a resurrection kind of God. That's the kind of God he is. Remember when Lazarus was dead, Tim, even if you die. Right? You think he, he maybe would have told him that, or maybe would have told him, Remember those walls in Jericho? Now, if you need him, you listen. And if he, whatever he tells you to do, remember he's got the strength and the power to knock those walls down. Remember him, he can open deaf ears, he can heal blind eyes, just all the things. What he wants to dump on him is the patience. Let me tell you something there's something extraordinarily powerful about external strength, right? We love it. We love to watch it. We love to see it happen. We get amazed by it. We get wowed by it. All the miracles that we see, we just are wowed and moved. But there is an intrinsic power sometimes that speaks a lot more for your life and mine. And the fact that there is absolutely no way, there is no way we would ever as God's children, experience his mercy and his grace that we are so grateful for outside of the patience of God. If he hadn't first been patient with us, if he hadn't first thought about being methodical about how he deals with us and how he speaks with us and what he does for us. What he does for us. So, do's? Did I just say (laughs) do's? I did. So, No way. No way we would know him outside of it. You know, sometimes I get in places and I think, gosh, I mean, I don't really, I mean, I think I've grown a lot, right, from the time I'm I'm like 53. Like, do I really want to grow anymore? And then God puts us in these tight, confining spaces. And I just think, here we go again. But I promise you, the lessons that we learn waiting And having him reveal himself to us when we're patient are so beautiful to behold. So when that doctor looked at me when I had cancer and said, honey, you need to give me a year. A year wasn't, I mean, I had an answer day one when I went to the hospital. I was like, here's what we'll do and it's over. And that just wasn't the route because God wants to teach us something And we have to be sensitive to that. We have to listen to it. It's why Paul was able to say to Timothy, he's got perfect patience. Any problem that comes your way, anything that you've dabbled in, anything that, that you need fixing, he has perfect patience. Next slide. God has forever been intentional with demonstrating to humanity his kindness, his grace, and his mercy. And when I think about that, when I think about the fact that, that Paul picked this, um, I, I, I just want to know why. Like, why? Is it, is it just for other people? Like, what in his life caused him? There had to be something in his life that caused him to, to pick this. And so, as a student of the Word, one thing that you need to know, when the Bible says, go to, that, go to the, the next slide, It's going to be the scripture that we read in the beginning. I have something else highlighted. When you read something in scripture that says, therefore, for this reason, when you come across those things, it would behoove you, if you want to study the word and be a student of the word, as we all should want to know so much more about him, that we figure out why. Why is this? It's for this reason. What reason? For what reason? Did he find mercy so that in him all of of these things could be revealed, the perfect patience, everything else? So when I read that, I thought, I'm going back. I'm backtracking in Paul's life. I'm backtracking in this passage, and I'm going to see what reason is this? What reason has Paul deduced this? So go to the next scripture. It's one scripture up if you're in your Bibles. Um, one scripture up. it is a Paul says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of who I am foremost. The first reason that Paul came up with that perfect patience would be something he would need to describe to Timothy would be that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Sometimes I think we have been so churched in the South that that means absolutely nothing to us. To be a saved sinner, it's just like, yeah. I mean, I went to a VBS when I was seven years old. A guy stood up with a puppet. Do you want to be saved? Whatever the puppet said. And I was like, sure, I do. So I walked the aisle and I meet Jesus, right? That is not how salvation happened. It is not as hasty as, as what we think. And I don't know if you know this or not, but without salvation, it's such a casual like I'm saved in the South, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm saved. I mean, we casually write it on our Instagram bios. We casually write it on Facebook and our descriptions. We casually say it. Yeah, I'm saved. We ask our girls, are they saved? They're like, yeah, he's saved. So, and it's just so casual. That, that is not salvation. That is not the picture of salvation. We have so forgotten. Do you understand that without salvation, you had a death sentence on your life? You had a death, like you were doomed. And from the foundation of the world, if we believe that God is an eternal God who existed before time began and is going to exist after time began, he knew before the foundations of the earth that he had to get you here and he had to get you saved. Right? I know it's a weird concept, weird to know that he was going to create something that he was just then going to have to rescue and save, and it took him years upon years upon years upon years because he's not hasty in the process It took him years to get you here to this seat today. It's not by chance. It's not happenstance. It's not by chance you're a male or a female. It is not by chance that you are 17 in here today or 58 in here today. It's not by chance that you were born in whatever year you were born, that you're alive on the planet in 2022. He orchestrated the entire thing and hemmed it in with the words of his mouth before we were ever even Conceived. And salvation worked the same way. So that your mom and dad had to connect to get you here. Their parents had to connect to get them here. Your great-grandparents had to connect to get them here. Your great-great-grandparents had to connect. I mean, it's years upon years upon years upon years. And the Bible said that he knew you before you were ever fashioned in your mother's womb. He knew you and created you. So he has he has planned and he has intentions with when he puts you on this planet. And if we think about salvation, I mean, that's just getting you here. Out of 7 billion people, all the work he had to do to get you to be you here on this planet. And then we think about salvation. It's not just, oh, these people are broken. I think I'm going to do something. That, that, that's not how it happened. Gosh, and if, if it weren't so cheesy, I would show you the, the Carmen Champion video. Anybody remember that? remember Carmen I've shown it to Joey and Sophia have y'all seen Carmen like the whole boxing match I know I could show it to you and you would just roll your eyes like Sophia said please don't ever use that as any sermon analogy ever please don't ever play that video but if you watch Carmen like he did this whole cosmic boxing match with Jesus and Satan in the in the ring just Jesus figuring out you know how he's going to bring salvation to the planet and there's crescendos in the music and it just builds and builds and builds and then Satan hits Jesus in the face and he falls and I mean as as a teenager in my car, I was crying, like weeping, repenting of every sin I ever had when I would watch this video because I'm just thinking about what Jesus did for me. So I won't show you that today, but I will tell you, I will tell you that in Genesis 1, God thought it was very good, right? He created exactly what he wanted, which was a man and a woman and put them in a garden and wanted relationship with them forever. And it's almost like a chess game. It's like God makes this move. And then the enemy shows up and he makes his move and by Genesis 3 sin had entered the planet. Sin had entered mankind and so then you're just like gosh, you know, if you're God, you got to come up with a move because you got to fix it. Because when sin entered the planet, it was you were doomed. It was death. It was there was no hope. You were lost, eternally separated from the God who created you. So he had to make a move. And so thankfully he made a move. And even Adam went back in the tent together. And they ended up having Seth who ended up having Enosh. And before you know it, the planet's worshiping again, the Bible said. Just worshiping again. But by Genesis 6, their sin shows up again. And the entire planet is wicked, so wicked that God wants to wipe them all out. But Noah comes along. So Noah comes along and and God is like, Noah, you got to do something. I got to have a remnant. I got to have a remnant. You got to do something. So Noah's like, Yes, sir, I'll build an ark. And so God made his move and saved the planet once more. After Genesis, I mean, after Noah came and the planet was saved, we end up with the Tower of Babel just a few chapters later, where there mankind is again inserting themselves into the equation. Chaos ensues. Sin breaks loose. God says, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to create a people. Like, I'm going to have a people and a nation. And so there's Abram. He says, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this for you. So he takes off in that direction. The Israelites are born. And before you know it, there's 400 years because the enemy had hit again. 400 years of slavery. Captivity, now, I I mean, those are just, that's just a little bit of the years that have gone by for salvation. I'm thinking, hey, see me, it's like, Jesus, you could have fixed this. I mean, this could have been fixed like simply in Genesis chapter 4. Not God, because he's methodical. He has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he's working it. He is working that plan out so that by the time Moses takes them and delivers them from the hand of Pharaoh, we, we end up seeing all these battles, all this chaos. chaos. And in the, at the end of the book of Judges, the very last line, the Bible says that yet again, everyone was doing whatever they wanted to, whatever they found to be right in their own eyes. Last line of Judges. It's just always been this back and forth, this back and forth. Then there's like 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where I'm sure the angels are sitting back thinking, who's going to make the next move? Like who? Like where? What's going to happen here? And then the New Testament comes and think. Jesus Christ shows up on the scene, and Satan has not had a move to make since then. He's defeated, he's over, he's done, but we don't live like that. And we don't live like we grasp, like we even have a grasp of what salvation means. We get more excited, me, me included, over words like restoration, Over words like healing, I remember, I remember when I came in, Brandon Lake had just released his song, Gratitude, when I came back after either my final round of chemo, my final surgery, and I I remember just weeping, weeping here on the front row, thanking God that I'm healed just weeping and crying. I remember when we were in this building in 2020 before COVID took us out, um, when we were in here for 20, and I remember just weeping on the front row. The goodness of God had just come out, that song. And I remember just being on my knees, just worshiping before God, being so thankful, just thankful to Him that, that this broken couple from South Georgia who moved to Atlanta, actually God was restoring us and using us to impact the kingdom. And it was just amazing to me that my kids were all serving God. We were all Chasing after him, and I've, I found myself out there. Salvation is way more. We had a death sentence on our life. Yeah. We should never, ever, ever take for granted the patience and the work and the thoughtfulness that he took in saving us. And put the next slide up for me. If God is patient enough to sustain you, do you not think that he is patient? I mean, to save you, do you not think he's patient enough to sustain you? Yeah. If he can do all that to get you to the planet and to get you saved, surely he can handle your life. He can handle your mess-ups, your missteps, your broken relationships, your broken bank account, the dreams that you've had that, that haven't made it, all of the things that have gone south. He can handle that. All of humanity went south multiple times over and over and over and over again. And you know what? We didn't get a redo. We got a Savior. And that's what you have. You have a Savior who has come to you. So put the next slide up for me, please. It's a miracle that you're saved. It is a miracle. Some of us are looking for other miracles. It's a miracle that you've been saved. The patience of God orchestrated all of that. And if God can handle a couple thousand years with his purposes, don't you think he can handle even your last six weeks? Or your next six weeks? Don't you think he can handle it? I think he can because he's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's not hasty like us. Next scripture, please. We're backing up one more scripture in verse 13. There's a second reason that Paul would say to Timothy that God's patience is perfect. And he says this, even though I was previously a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. God justified us through salvation with his patience. And then if you don't think his sanctification is patience, when he deposits a living, breathing God Himself on the inside of us so that so that we all have a previously. I love here that Paul begins to define some of his um, some of his previously. I'm glad we didn't talk about it in the beginning because sometimes When we see everybody else's previous, we we tend to forget our own, right? But we all have a previous, even in our bracket. We all have a previously. And he has deposited inside you, Thessalonians says, a living, breathing God who not only saves you but works from the inside out to change and rearrange. We sang about it earlier, every desire. I don't walk like I used to. I don't talk like I used to. I don't think like I used to. I don't do the things I used to because I have a formerly on my life. And surely in the next six weeks, I will have more formalies. And in the next six months, I will have more formalies because he is an all-working, all-present, very patient God with me working with me on the inside out. And the Bible says that, that he doesn't leave. He deposits himself there. When we're born again and we seek him, he deposits himself on the inside, always working, always changing to make us something. Next slide. I, we all have a formerly over our lives. I once was blank, but I no longer am. And we should all be so grateful for his patience because of it. I once was a perfectionist, but I no longer am. I once was nervous, but I no longer am. I once was a control freak, but I no longer am. I once was a fornicator. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means you have sex before you're married. So that's what it means. And in the Bible, it actually is a sin. So I know that we sometimes don't think that anymore. But I once was, but I am no longer. I once was impatient, but I am no longer. I once was, oh, the once was. I, I once was angry. I once was unforgiving. I once was whatever, whatever, whatever. That is the grace of the patience of God that has shown up on the inside of you. And how many of you know that constraining yourself to try to change those things on the outside never works? It just causes chaos. It causes chaos in our timeline if we spend our whole timeline trying to change ourselves. That's the beauty of having a relationship with him. So doing it yourself never works. It just produces anxiety and turmoil and depression and fear and sadness and just exhaustion it produces for you nothing but when there is a living god living on the inside of you who who promises he will never leave you or forsake you then it doesn't really matter what 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 or who you are he has promised i'm going to change you and make you something new so and it's not from the outside you know do you know how a piece of popcorn pops nope i know you don't and you want to ask me why yes you do i'm glad you want to know so a piece of popcorn it's not the heat on the outside of the kernel that pops the popcorn. Do you know inside each little kernel is a microscopic little drop of moisture that is inside there? And when it heats up, that moisture explodes on the inside. And it's like that with you. There's a Holy Spirit, a God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is not lesser. He just was mentioned third. And he lives on the inside of you. That is a patient God. All of y'all don't want to live with messy people. Y'all are leaving them, divorcing them, running from them, quitting your job because they're messy and it's irritating and it's uncomfortable. Not God. He's patient enough to live in me with my mess while he's working on me and changing me. Patient, just as patient as he can be. Not leaving me, he's not forsaking me, and he's not leaving you, and he's not forsaking you. Not because of any misstep, not because of any character flaw, not because of something you keep trying over and over and over and over to get a handle on, and you just don't seem to be able to do it, not because of what's coming down the pipe tomorrow. That doesn't scare God. He's not thinking, oh my gosh, you're right. I can't believe that's going to happen in a month. I'm out of here. I'll be back after it's all over. No, he he is with us, the Bible says. That's a patient God, a patient God. Next, in verse 12, the third reason, and I'll wrap it up here. I think Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Paul is telling Timothy, he's patient with me because this formerly person, this one who was the chief of all sinners, not only has he saved me and not only has he sanctified me, but now he's going to use me. For his glory, he's going to use me. That's incredible to me. That is mind-blowing to me. Like, it is just mind-blowing. I look at my children sometimes because sometimes we think this is the using right? This is the using. If we do something here, we do something on stage, or we, we write a good book, or we, you know, lead a Bible study. I'm not talking about that using. He has positioned us on the planet to be useful for him. And sometimes I look at my children and I'm like, that, that is a mystery. That he called me to parent a soul. He called broken me to parent a soul of a kid. Just an amazing mystery. We were on vacation at Rosemary Beach a few weeks ago um, during fall break, and I don't know, you get older, middle age. you get a little sentimental, and you just look at your kids, and they grow up, and you start, you just start noticing some of the things you missed as a parent, right? And you, you watch their lives, and they're so great, and they're so awesome, and then, but then you're like, gosh, I failed them in so many ways. Some of those things just flash before you. And we were at Rosemary, and I was just thinking about this. And I was thinking, it's a mystery to me why God would even pick me. It's a mystery. Do you know my husband one day is going to stand in front of God the Father and hopefully hear God the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what my role is in that? My role is to help him in that. That's an incredible feat. We shouldn't take that for granted. It is an incredible feat that I, as a wife, serve him to a place that makes him better. Not to a place that all my needs are met or that I'm giddy all the time or that we're just honeymooning it all the time. I serve him to make him better. That's what a relationship is, and I've been called to that. He has called you to things on this planet. Next slide says this. The God of the universe has entrusted you to a specific spot on this planet as a display. Does that not just amaze you? He's called you. He trusts you in your weaknesses, in your fears, in your questions. Band, you can come on up. In your disappointments, in your anxieties, in all the mess-ups and missteps, he has called you. He has appointed you on this planet to be a display of his mercy and his grace. That's a patient God. That is a patient God. Put the next slide up for me, please. God is perfectly patient with us, and that's enough to cover our past and our future. We are justified, sanctified, and chosen to be used for himself. Stand to your feet.